welcome to another episode of This Week in IPNO. We're, of course, as always, live from the table in my kitchen. We have two guests today, a first in This Week in IPNO. We have Steve Dubiago, who is Senior Director of Mechanical Maintenance, and Ron Lukowitz, who is the Associate Director of Environmental Services. Guys, uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for giving us the opportunity. No problem. So I guess just to start us off, can you just give us an intro of, of, of what you guys do and, and an overview of the housing operation in New Brunswick and Piscataway? Okay. Um, I'm a senior director of mechanical maintenance. Uh, I also see, oversee other auxiliaries in the area of um, building operation. I also manage the housing deferred maintenance program as well as um, our emergency after hours um, operation, um, which is 24 seven, 365, seven days a week. Yeah, I manage the group uh, that's responsible for the cleanliness and sanitation of all of our residence halls in the New Brunswick and Piscataway area. So, Cool. So could you go a little bit more into depth about what that entails? Because I know it's like a, a big, broad op operation that people might not know, like the scope of it. OK, fair enough. So so to kind of, you know, uh, uh, pr provide a brief summary of our housing portfolio, um, there are approximately 19,000 beds system wide, which includes Camden, Newark, RBHS and New Brunswick housing. New Brunswick housing by itself is approximately 15,800 students. Um, we have 160 buildings. We have 5.4 million square feet. Uh, during the summertime in general, on a typical summer, um, absent COVID and its impacts, we usually have approximately 10,000 conference uh, guests, which I know summers are equally as challenging as the normal academic year. Um, so, you know, we house residents, undergrad, uh, freshmen, upper class, um, graduate singles, graduate family, and also we also have a faculty and staff um, housing entity as well. Yeah, I, I remember in, uh, in one of Tony's uh, like town halls that he did, I'm going to get the line wrong, but it's, he said something to the effect of like, if you added together like all the beds and, and, and all the people who like live, you know, in, in that student life, Rutgers would be like the third or fourth biggest city in, in New Jersey, just from like all like the all the bed space that uh, that you guys operate. Right, Paul, and 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 and, and the, you know complement what Mr. Calcato had mentioned. We we are one of the largest housing operations in the country at a university. So um, you know we like to think that we're the best. Um, we have a very very diverse populace. Um, a lot of international students, um, specifically in our graduate and our family housing area. So that alone, um, you know, we are really a true community. That's great. I'm wondering, um, you, you know, you mentioned on the typical on the typical time period or a typical summer, and we we were far from that, right? Uh, so I'm just wondering how it was, uh, how COVID affected housing and. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's changed every everything. The schedule. I'm sure there's you know differences of who's who's there and who's not there. Can you just give us a a brief uh, overview of how you guys handled that? Sure. When the students left uh, for the first time, it was right before spring break, and 
everyone who left kept their items here because we all thought that they would be returning. Mm -hmm. uh, however, as the pandemic progressed and things got, got worse, um, we then were asked to provide living spaces for healthcare workers who were going to be assisting at local hospitals in New Brunswick and even in Newark. So with the assistance of the grounds crew and IPNO's warehouse, we began moving and storing a lot of the students' items uh, in the warehouse where they can later come and get them. And we did that so it would be a safe and secure area. So that was a major undertaking. And then when we began to provide the healthcare workers with you know, residence halls, we also continued to support those. Um, and that was through maintaining, cleaning, and coming in and redoing those rooms as healthcare workers moved in and out. Afterwards, um, you know, we still did have quite a few residents who remained in our halls. Uh, and to make those halls as safe as possible, we began sanitizing all the touchable surfaces in those areas four times a day. And we also did this while we maintained our normal cleaning and sanitizing schedules, uh, and that included trash and recycling removal and other things. We also installed uh, COVID-19 signage that reminded individuals to social distance, wear masks, etc. And we also installed in all the areas that were occupied hand sanitizers that we purchased and are continuing to maintain. Then we also provided uh, support to those residents who may have contracted or been exposed to COVID-19 by providing and maintaining isolation spaces, uh, which included individual apartments for them uh, that we maintained and also provided the microwaves or whatever else that they needed while they were quarantining or isolating. Um, and all of this was done uh, over the past 18 months while we provided our staff obviously with enhanced PPE and also the training that we constantly were providing them to make sure that not only did we provide the appropriate service, they were also keeping safe as well. So that was basically our lives changed quite a bit when everything hit. And, and just to piggyback what my colleague, Mr. Lukewood said is that it was extremely important for us to be able to give our staff personnel in the time of crisis, not just at work, work at home, peace of mind and a comfort level. So when these individuals had to go into these spaces, our area managers and our leadership team had to step up to the plate to show them that oh, it's okay as long as you follow the rules of the game uh, and understand that you know the university is committed to protect the safety um, and, the, and, the, and the welfare of our people. So that was a very, very strong message. Um, and we, we were, you know, we were, we were able to get their buy-in. There was a little resentment in the beginning and, and uh, you know, us and working with the local unions and, and our leadership team, um, you know, we, had, we still had a job to perform and, um, you know, kudos to them. I would second that. And also with the help of uh, REHS and occupational health and others, they really provided a great support for us. So we can go in and let our people know that we were behind them, we were working with them, and we were providing them everything they needed to remain safe while providing necessary uh, help to all of our residents. And, and furthermore, you know, one thing we also had to do is 
we had to implement modified work schedules to continue to uh, ensure social distancing. So people weren't sharing or staying, sharing um, shop locations um, with, any, uh, with a significant, you know, with a larger level of density than required. We also had to manage um, the line to get to the time clock. So staggering shifts, uh, you know, allowed that separation at the beginning of the shifts, during breaks, during lunch, another break, and at the end of the workday. So those are kind of strategies that we had to implement. Yeah, something that I think is easy to forget is when, when things first started happening, there was, you know, we didn't know what the situation was, right? There was, there was that initial uh, guidance that we got. And as, as the pandemic wore on, the guidance changed. Yes. But, it, you know, each of these uh, divisions within IPNO, we all had to take it as it came, right? We, we, we didn't know the future. So it's amazing how uh, those different adaptations took place. Uh, it's, it's like a common theme that every, everything that we ask about, every, every group that we have on, it's, you know, what we were doing then and it evolved. Right. This wasn't like a, uh, a situation where we had all the information we were able to respond to it. It was it was an evolution. True. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you guys talking. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, uh, especially you guys talking about how like that uh, initial hurdle or at least one of them was that the students staying there still had all their stuff there because, you know, initially we thought it was like two weeks and then yeah. and then it's over. Yeah. And it's like it feels like it's been, you know, we've been in this for like so long where it, I forgot that there was even a point where that was like the original thought, you know? Right. Yep. And we, we had to, you know, and, and we had to court, you know, we had students in crisis, but we had to, we had to work pretty closely with our, our residence life colleagues and student affairs to establish a plan our warehousing team, like Ron indicated to establish a program that was um, service-based, but also flexible enough because there was a concern returning back to campus. So, so that whole effort really stretched throughout the summer and even into the fall semester. So, you know, again, we were a service provider. Um, we had to understand some of the limitations students had, you know, the impact of COVID, the reaction to COVID, but also a lot of these individuals or residents were, were, were very distant, you know, over 200 miles, how they come back and get their stuff on the fly. So, so again, we, we, we had a good support team. Um, all the departments within IPNO were major asset in terms of contributing to the team effort. Uh, and again, um, you know, it was, it was really, really a, a, a step to the plate challenge. And again, for the most part, we're, we're really all, we're essential personnel. We're required to be here all the time, whether, whether there's residents here or not. Uh, you just can't shut buildings down. You still got to make sure they're being main, maintained and, and, they're, and they're sustaining operation, bring freeze-ups and mold and all those kinds of things. So, so although the, 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 the crisis hit and we had less population here, our daily duties remain the same, but just with a little bit of a twist. Mm -hmm. What has the pro uh, process been like uh, to prepare students for returning in the fall? Mr. Lukwitz, my colleague, want to take that one? Go well, we've, uh, during the summer months, we've been uh, involved with a lot of capital improvement projects that I'm sure Steve will go through um, in a minute. But basically what we're doing is we're uh, getting our lounges back. One of the things that we did uh, for our students that were here in order to ensure social distancing is that we closed a lot of the lounges and a lot of the common spaces uh, but now those are coming back and each of the individual rooms 
who are going to be obviously taken care of, clean, sanitized, uh, everything from waxing floors to scrubbing out the uh, furniture, um, and ensuring that everything is prepped and ready for uh, everyone who's returning. Um, and that makes, from our standpoint, not only is it cleanliness, but it's also making sure that the places are safe. And we're also going to be providing information to all our students as we have in the past on proper recycling procedures and whatnot. So every bed will have a handout on what our requirements are for recycling, et cetera. So every single one of those bed spaces that Steve mentioned uh, will be checked, will be cleaned, will be sanitized, and they'll be ready for opening. Yeah, so piggyback, like Ron says, we're doing room by room assessments. We have our we have our maintenance team going room by room, making sure things are operational. Everything from um, the door opening to the light bulb operating inside the refrigerator, to making sure that you know through a PM program that our fan coils are providing the cooling need when they move in, um, and and also trying to identify high profile areas, impact areas like that give us curb and build, building appeal, and that could be everything from cosmetic improvements, everything from replacing furniture to accent walls to making sure that might be newer uh, ceiling tiles. And those are those are case by case and situational. We also toggle uh, a pretty aggressive capital improvement schedule through the summer. This year, a little less than previous. This year, um, approximately 60% of what we normally do. Well, and a lot of that includes um, working with residents like to look, identify opportunities in terms of what's available to, to really run a larger project. Uh, everything from apartment renovations to HVAC replacements to outside underground utility work. So um, again, we'll be ready for opening. That's our job. That's our task. Um, and um, again, in the end, it's, it's for the most part to make sure that, like Ron says, that, you know, we're safe, we're clean. Uh, we uh, make sure that uh, security is in place, right? Make sure there are no hazards in place. We work very closely with our emergency service and our RHS folks on any life safety and environmental types of hazards that, that, that we briefly talked about. And in the end, it's, again, it's, it's a team effort to make sure that when opening weekend happens, um, we're doing the right thing to make sure that um, it's a positive experience, especially for these freshmen that have never been away from home, right? So we also have a responsibility to give parents a comfort level, so. Right, and, and opening weekend, we'll be uh, maintaining all of the grounds and uh, I mean, the uh, residence halls, obviously, but we'll also be taking care and man manning the elevators to make sure that everything goes smoothly with move-in. We'll also have uh, our locksmiths available for those weekends. We'll have um, our extermination services available those weekends, et cetera. So we'll be ready uh, to make sure that this our residents and the residents' moms and dads uh, are comfortable when they drop their sons and daughters off with us. In, in addition, as a kudo to our IEP you know, call center, they'll also be available to be able to take incoming requests, add things into our work order system, and then appropriately dispatch to the appropriate field personnel in the event that something does arise. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think that's all our questions we had. Um, Thank you guys for coming on and for doing uh, all the, oh, sorry. I really, again, I just want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity. I just want to, you know, I just want to make a very, very important per, uh, point and sometimes it gets very, very overlooked. The success of our department is a result of the effort and committed, commitment of our staffs, starting, you know, at, at the field operations and up through all of our management levels 
and the support um, of the leadership that we have uh, for the individuals that myself and Ron report to. So I just want to make that important important comment. Um, out of sight, out of mind, sometimes you know occurs. Um, not intentional, of course, but it's important to recognize our, our our people in the field that show up every single day and have pride in have pride in, in, in what they accomplish uh, by the time they clock out. So I would second that and also add that these are very brave people. They're they've been here every day. They've come into work and they've also had to go into places where people were isolated and had quarantine clean and do everything they can to ensure that they're safe and also our residents are safe. They are truly amazing people. Yeah, I mean, especially with stuff like this, there's so much that, you know, must go on behind the scenes that no one knows to make things happen as like fluidly as they do, you know, something that an incoming freshman might not think about X amount of people worked on to make their experience, uh, you know, seamless. So, um, yeah, thank you to you guys and to and to everyone who who uh, who you worked with to make that possible uh, for everyone at Rutgers. Um, and thanks for coming on. And if uh, if there, yeah, if there is anything else you want to say, uh, we'll we'll give you one last word. And if not, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.